Welcome to the Wikipod, a show that hosts conversations with play-to-earn gaming community members for peer education on cryptocurrency and Web3 technologies, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, and NFTs. The podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only, and it is not financial advice. Hi, everyone. I got something a little bit different than the normal show format for you here. Some of you might know, I was in Colorado for the last two weeks for ETH Denver, and I was able to meet a ton of folks in the Ethereum community. Thank you so much for your patience with me in getting the new content out. I was able to sit down with a few folks, and this is one of those conversations. I spoke with Joyce Chin from Grow Protocol about their simplified DeFi interface and how they're building their community. If you like the show, please like and subscribe wherever you get your pods, and make sure to tell your friends about the educational content we're producing here at the Wiki. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the welcome to the Wikipod. This is I Speak Nerd here. I'm here with Joyce from Grow Protocol. She's, well, I'll let her tell you guys. Uh, so Joyce, what, what is Grow? How does that, what's going on? Yeah, sure. Um, by the way, thank you for having me here. So Grow Protocol is basically a stable coin protocol, which really be looking into how do we help you generate more yield without you having to do all the homework to understand what are stable coins? Why are they, you know, what are the different types of them? Or like, how do you even get on different platforms to do all the yield farming? So we're trying to abstract all of that complexity away and instead only give you two choices. Would you like more protection where, you know, in case there's an exploitation of a protocol or stablecoin depacks, like those are the risks that anyone takes on when they do stablecoin yield farming. But if you don't like that risk, you can choose the lower risk protected option and then it will give you lower yield, but you might be able to sleep better at night. <laughs> on the other hand, right, so who is providing that protection is by our second product, what we call Vaults. And Vaults is essentially offering that protection and in return, they would get to share in the yield generated by the lower risk product powered. So, you know, in a way, higher risk, higher return feels pretty intuitive, but in the same time, you know, it's something you otherwise have to keep managing the exposure yourself. So yeah, that's what Grow is about. Awesome. So it sounds like you guys are doing something similar or maybe innovating a bit on what Yearn has done with um, Protective exactly. DeFi. Um, that's super cool. Like about you personally, like you're, how, how long have you been in crypto? I've been in crypto, I would say full-time working in crypto is like for around seven or eight months. And so it wasn't that High long. Five. All right. <laughs> Cheers. And, uh, but before then, um, I was trying to dabble into crypto. The earliest I started was right in January 2018. So that's really the time when it was very, very hot, but also like about to crash. So I kind of like got out, I was at graduate school at that point and you know, let's go, let's go in, let's try this new thing. <laughs> um, so I got some ETH, unfortunately didn't quite hold on to it because that was the price was going down and I chickened out and I'm like, gosh, I have no idea what I'm doing. I should just go back and write my international relations paper instead. Mm. So that's why I kind of left and only came back in roughly, I think like um, earlier last year. So somewhere around a year ago now. So it kind of sounds like that would kind of inform your perspective on the space a bit if you come in and then immediately uh, get hit by the bear market crash from 2018. Yeah, no, I think like it's just a weird timing about that. And it is in a way not just a bear market. And I think it's also how everyone was talking about it at that point. But no one around you really have a good understanding. So everyone sort of talk about it and it makes you feel a bit nice to, you know, you want to join in, you kind of FOMO in. Right. But at the same time, you're a bit scared because fundamentally no one around you can tell you what it is all about <laughs> you are the only one that really have to dyor and um, sometimes the question then becomes do you trust yourself enough in this new space so yeah that's kind of tricky <laughs> that's a pretty that's a pretty sink or swim situation right there like um i know for myself i think that was kind of that was really how i felt my first uh, i don't know maybe five months um in crypto so I, I'm new in the last year, like literally probably around almost exactly a year now. Nice. Um, thank you. Uh, but it's, it's a, I started with like reading reading so much stuff on Reddit and like watching a lot of uh, Coin Bureau videos. Um, he's been doing fantastic like general education content on YouTube um, for stuff. And yeah, just really felt really out on my own with a lot of stuff. And it was, wasn't until really I started um, finding a community that I really vibed with that I was really able to, I feel... Um, make connections and really 
start to, again, meet people and kind of leverage a network of experiences that people have learned and gotcha. really start shortening my learning curve and uh, learning about all this stuff in the space. That's amazing. And I think like having a community is so important here. Because Absolutely. It would be so weird if you're feeling it's just you against the world and instead you kind of now feel like, hey, there are people who can talk to you about this. It's not like everyone would be absolutely, you know, 100% spot on or expert in everything. But it's the, it's the sense that you don't feel like you have to figure that out all by yourself. Um, for me, it was um, when going into Finematics. So they also do really... That's a fantastic channel. All right. Yes. No, I really love what they do. And it makes it so easy for us to new joiners to learn. Okay. So what is DeFi? You know, or like what is impermanent loss? How impermanent is that? You know, why <laughs> is it impermanent? Like a lot of these, I think it, um, they do a really good job making it easy to understand. And then um, there's also a Discord server you could go on and ask questions about. Um, so has anyone heard about this new thing? Like, is that, should I trust this? Like, how, what should I do with it? That's just really helpful. Yeah, I'm, I think my my first kind of educational resource that I really was like, oh, okay, this is good, is I found um, isthiscoinascam.com, um, which is basically just kind of rating the, you know, reliability, the uh, amount of community, the um, most, uh, like the age of the protocol, and like oh, for yeah. all these freaking tokens that come out like, you know, 500 every every week or whatever, and like, you know, 90% of them are shit coins. So it's just like, it's so hard to find I don't know. You, you hear about it like all oh, shield on Reddit is like, oh, the low market cat gems get in mm. before it moons, and it's just like a bunch of a bunch of noise. So much noise if you're just in like a general space like that. But um, yeah, like I found is this coin a scam? Uh, I found like I said, Coin Bureau, Finematics. Mm. Um, it's fantastic, guys. If you if for those of you listening at home, if you don't know about Finematics, please I'll include a link in the show description um, for this. That is a fantastic, fantastic channel that, um, like Joyce was saying, just explains a whole lot of these DeFi concepts these really cool hand-drawn animations yeah. um for things and it's just he's, he's uh, he i think it's a I he. Think it's he yeah yeah um, but he runs this fantastic channel he's and he's actually funded through a lot of like gitcoin grants isn't he oh i did not know that i know he's definitely done at least cool. one gitcoin grant round uh, i mean that's so well deserved like honestly i think a lot of people would come in without knowing you know what yearness or like um i think more recently he was doing DeFi 2.0 like how do you what is protocol own liquidity you know a lot of these concepts yes. if you're not living and you know on discord or crypto twitter it probably is really hard to have a systematic introduction of what <laughs> this is all about so that's why i think that's the gap that he's filling really well right now that's awesome and like the protocol owned liquidity that's basically olympus dao's big uh, big offering in the space right yeah i mean like they're doing that together um i think they have the bond program where olympus pro is really working with 40 plus partners across different chains to launch that. And they all did it within a span of a few months. So that was That's a crazy. really huge growth. On the other hand, you also got people who are now saying, well, there are other ways for protocols to own liquidity. Mm -hmm. Say, you know, with uh, Fay Ondo, they have this liquidity as a service program, LAS. And uh, other than that, you also have Tokamak, but it's the hard part of a Tokamak is getting into, getting, having your own, um, how do they call it? This is like reactor. You have to stand up the reactor by mm. winning the votes. So that is a bit like higher barrier to entry, but probably like really just like what the sensation whenever any time they're trying to get people to vote for the <laughs> next best, you know, reactors to have. I've heard of Tokamak. I really, I haven't done any research on it, but I've heard about that like multiple, multiple times in different places. So that's definitely one I should check out um, and learn more about. But um, coming back, like we're going, we're going off the deep end in DeFi yeah. here a little bit. Um, <laughs> But your grow grow protocol, like you said, is basically trying to simplify a whole lot of this stuff for the end user, basically. Exactly. And the and you guys are serving mostly uh, retail users, correct? That's right. I think like uh, mostly retail users, and if I have to be more specific, I would say those are two types of people. Mm -hmm. One is like people who are just completely new to DeFi. It's like me a year ago, you know, coming in. <laughs> Yeah. Dropped in the ocean. <laughs> what is what is all of this thing, right? <laughs> wait, wait, how many protocols are out there? What do they do? You know, mm -hmm. that is. I think like it is often quite overwhelming to get into a new space that moves so fast. Yep. So having I think one product or two products that really say, you know what, you come in, you don't really know that much yet. You want to dip your toes in. I think that's a really good way to start because that abstract away the complexity of learning every type of stablecoin, different protocol. How do you do all these different steps, right? 
The second part, I think, would be good for、uh, essentially people who might be savvy already, but they're just not into it to spend too much time. You know, they want to be easy to do. You know, they don't have to think too much about it. Maybe more people looking for passive income, I guess. So it's just like different types of people we're trying to hit. Okay, and when you say different types of people, is that、um, just in terms of your? I guess community user base that you're trying to attract, or is that in terms of your、uh, different products? Because Grow has, I think, two different products. Yeah, we have like those two different products, and、mm -hmm. on Ethereum mainnet, and one more on Avalanche. And the Avalanche one is is interesting because it has much lower cost to assess. Hey. Like, because, like, ultimately, it is expensive transaction costs on layer one. You and, do not、um, have to tell me twice. Gosh, like, oh, but like the fun part about it is, like, I always feel like if I want to get my high school best friend into this, that's what I'm going for.、Um, it's also interesting because it's our first, our own strategy. So we are building that on top of Alpha Homora's offering on Avalanche, but we are also doing automation on that end, so people don't have to think about. You know, it is leverage yield farming, but automated.、Mm -hmm. So you don't have to think about borrowing anything yourself. You know, you just put in stablecoin, you get out only stablecoins. All the steps that have to, you know, the borrowing part, the monitoring exposure part is all taken care of. Oh wow, that's that would simplify everything so much for people.、Yeah. Um, are people still at risk of being liquidated、um, if、so、not with this the, leveraged、uh, product? So not in terms of like liquidation because、um, we have a really set a quite a narrow price corridor and if AVEX goes up or down in the price for above that corridor then we would just close the position entirely. So you don't actually stay in for like long enough for that potential for the、uh, AVEX to go up or down enough to be liquidated.、Mm. But there will still be impermanent loss in some way because、um, you will still have the exposure. Or the other way around is the price still changes. We're just like cutting, you know, at a certain point when it goes too out far out there. So there was not a completely. It's not as I would say. It's not as vanilla as we do in the more Ethereum products that I just described. But then it is still like not to the、uh, extreme of liquidation. It's really more about like higher risk, higher reward, right? Still on the spectrum. I would place it powered stablecoin. The protected one is the safest of among these three,、mm -hmm. and then best probably for people who more think about. Hey, you know, I actually still make sure I don't. I don't like losing money. It's just not a thing I want to think about、right. or worry about. That's where you go. Vault is a bit more in the middle. You get more exposure to a risk. Like, what if the underlying protocol gets hacked? What if the stablecoin depacks? Then the further out in the spectrum, you have Labs, the Avalanche product that says, "Hey, you know what? In a day-to-day, -day, you should be, you know, have generating yields, but there are still scenarios where you might generate a much lower yield or sometimes negative yield." But then, over a long enough time, it should be positive. But you have to be happy with the concept that, right? I might actually be like losing some yields on a day-to-day -day basis. It's not really always just like green green candles going up. It's not always number go up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>、um, yeah, there there was、uh, there was a lot to unpack in what you just said right there、uh, in terms of DeFi.、Um, I guess what I'd like to talk about is particularly is those.、Um, Protected stablecoin yields because、mm -hmm. I think that's going to be、uh, primarily what the people who are listening to this podcast would be most、that's、interested、good. in.、Uh, you said the in particular like depegging. So for those of you at home who aren't aware, stablecoins,、um, things like Dai or USDC or、um, ugh, Tether,、um, can have some nominal value that supposedly is pegged to one dollar. So one USDC is equivalent to one dollar, one US dollar. However,、um, based on market dynamics, those prices can depeg, can come away from that, instead, and so your price of Dai might be zero point nine nine seven equivalent in U.S. dollars,、mm -hmm. or the other direction, one point oh oh three, or anywhere in between, or even farther away from those things.、Um, so,、uh, I know primarily the I, I, I've been farming in Curve. Um, a lot on Polygon,、um, and that's again, it's kind of like this. Their focus is again on these、uh, stable co stable coin、uh, yields and the differentials there, and just basically trying to、uh, make money on high volume、um, mm -hmm. through very efficient、um, markets. Oh man, I'm so no, no, far out of my you, element with DeFi are, here. <laughs> you are spot on. I mean, like、um, Curve is actually really good with stablecoin swapping. Okay. And、uh, you usually get less what we call slippage in it. The whole concept of slippage is just that.、Um, imagine every time you do a transaction, you don't actually get a fixed price that you would always be transacting at.、Mm -hmm. The relative 
it's like a two currency they have an exchange rate uh -huh. but then like every time if you transact a larger amount you might get a worse deal because you are looking for you know getting transacting with a larger you're moving the liquidity pool for more um, so all in all, it's really, I think, Curve is a great place to be. And we are definitely using Curve as well. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. And like, um, just, yeah, with uh, what you said there about moving uh, moving the pegs, that's because of uh, how liquidity pools work, basically, because with these automated uh, market makers is like, supposedly 50% uh, of the pool is one token, let's say, uh, let's say USDC, let's, let's use Curve stablecoins, yeah. for example. Uh, one half of the pool is USDC and the other half might be uh, DAI, for example. Um, and if I'm wanting to swap a large amount of DAI for USDC, say, uh, I don't know, $10 million, I'm a whale, woohoo, um, then because that of that large volume, basically I'm trading, um, I'm basically selling DAI into the pool and buying the USDC out if I'm swapping from DAI to USDC. And by doing that, if I have a large enough volume, I'm effectively uh, changing the ratio of those two within the liquidity pool, correct? And that's what's causing the price to change? Yes, I mean, and you explained it so well. Like, I really want to just like literally write down what you say and put on <laughs> our, you know, educational uh, content. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can partner up, we can partner up, we can talk after. Yeah. Um, so the, the, that's, and that's kind of the idea with like impermanent loss as well. Is like if you, if you're taking a loss in the because of the movement of uh, the rel relative price of things because of the uh, amount of each token within this pool as a liquidity provider, no, we're 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 talking something else now. Sorry. It, it was the whole thing about like um, I think that there is an arbitrage opportunity almost. I think um, where a lot of times when people put in the money, they thought, okay, this is the rate I have, right? That's mm -hmm. should it just not change. But as you described, every time there's a transaction, there is going to be something that actually change, right? Right. And uh, when people realize that, oh wait, now this pool has a different exchange rate than the other pool, I could actually now try to like do some arbitrage by moving money from moving this token from pool A to pool B. And, and when you say yeah. different pools, that'd be like, for example, we were talking the USDC die pool on Curve versus say a USDC die pool on say SushiSwap, for example. Exactly, yeah. Okay. So that's why like, I think whenever you see that and if the price keeps moving out, then you potentially get more and more people trying to swap tokens from the SushiSwap pool to the Curve pool, in which case then you might end up always having more of the tokens that has the lower price. So if the relative the relative price of the two currencies change and then like as one move constantly move up, the other stays the constant, mm -hmm. then you probably have what you own as the LP tokens, the liquidity pool tokens. If, would have, if you have yeah. provided liquidity to these pools. Yes, <laughs> yes. then there will like be more and more like on to uh, your hope, more and more of what is the lower price one. So moral of the story here, guys, for folks at home who are lost currently is that uh, I think DeFi is a... A uh, complicated topic with uh, a whole lot of new concepts, especially uh, with these financial concepts of um, you know impermanent loss is kind of this. These liquidity pools are kind of like money market accounts from uh, tradfi, traditional finance. Um, but the and so a lot of these concepts are not new; they just kind of have new names um, in this decentralized finance world. The issue is if you're not familiar with those concepts, you have this whole new foundation to learn. So it's like this, there's crypto, you know, these, uh, you know, cryptocurrencies, coins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, um, and their ecosystems. And now we're layering on top these um, exchange systems for, uh, and, every, and every protocol does these things differently and has their own like spin on how to do things. Um, but it's just, it's like very, very complicated system or ecosystem that you can get lost in real easy. So with Grow, correct me if I'm wrong here, you guys are really trying to, again, abstract away all of this complexity and just make it more, much more simple decisions on whether you're trying to um, keep reduce your impermanent loss and just um, and not lose any funds with these uh, protected um, I forget powered stablecoin, yeah. Okay, thank you. Powered stablecoin versus um, trying to leverage or increase your yield with uh, more risk on uh, pro uh, products. Yes, and that will be VOT. So it's like, it's a VOT empowered stablecoin. They are really, you know, symbiotic. They have to, they exist with each other because one has, for one to have the protection, the other has to provide it. Oh, so, yeah. interesting. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. Oh man, we're again we're so far afield from community here. Uh, no, let's let's come back. Let's come back. The, yeah. 
Grow Grow is a is a DAO, correct? Yeah, we are a DAO, and uh, we still have DAO is decentralized uh, autonomous organization. Um, and just just so for the folks at home, like have a have kind of a sense of this. What is your personal definition of a DAO? Like, what what do you think of a DAO is? Yeah, I would say a DAO is it is like mostly about decision making. Mm-hmm. And so, if we think about a traditional corporates, the decision-making could come quite top-down, right? Um, you listen to your manager, your manager listens to their manager. Mm-hmm. And so like there are oftentimes a lot of top-down decisions made and people who are working sometimes are execution rather than like really coming up with what the company should do, or how the strategy should evolve. Mm-hmm. With a doubt, I would say it is because of the way that we have the concept everyone is an owner. And so like you would say, hey, I think that my not company like my DAO could actually do this. Maybe the protocol could consider something like, should we look for a better use strategy? Should we have a new product? Or should we be on another you know, marketing platform, right? So a lot of great ideas, you can actually freely express that in the community forums. And then um, if enough people support them, you can bring that to the vote where you know, everyone that hosts the governance tokens could easily just say, you know what, I believe in this, I vote yes, or no, the opposite. So it is a lot about the, how the decision making going from being so centralized with a group of executives to all the way out to the community who hold the governance votes, because that is where it's not just, I think there's two things, right? One is that you get to vote what's on there, mm-hmm. and the second one is you get to initiate what you believe needs to be voted on. And both is not really something you see in our day-to-day, more corporate uh, type of entity today. So with with uh, with corporate entities, they typically, like you said, the decisions are being made at the highest levels. So CEOs, CTOs, CFOs, all the corporate executives, um, and maybe they have to get sign off from their um, board of board of governors. Direct, yeah. what, what do they call it? The board of directors. That's yeah, the yeah. one. Board of directors. Thank you. Um, and so it's it's a very small number of people that make the make the decisions for the larger uh, organizational structure of the company as a whole. Um, versus what you're saying here is that uh, a DAO is allows anybody who holds the governance token, who owns part of uh, part of the protocol, then gets can um, submit ideas on what should be changed, what should be uh, the new focus, those kinds of things, um, and then everybody can vote their personal opinion on these things. So it's kind of like instead of having this representative democracy where uh, maybe each person. Uh, you know, is just basically trusting the CEOs and board of directors to make the correct decisions here. And you can vote, you can, you know, I don't know, there's usually corporate structures have some way to kind of vote out the CEO or like you hear about CEOs getting ousted mm-hmm. from their board, uh, by their board or whatever. Um, well, there's some mechanism to remove people and switch people out in like a representative democracy, but this is more of a direct democracy where everybody's voting on these proposals directly with their personal opinions being reflected in how they vote with these things. Yeah, and I think the benefits of that is also as a relatively maybe smaller, you know, um, in the corporate world, a, if you're buying shares as a retail investor, it's quite unlikely you will have enough of them to really raise any proposal to the company and be like, right. you know, company A, you should do this or you shouldn't do this, right? And I think the DAO's beauty of it is that you could actually have a platform to voice all these concerns or, you know, ideas, advice, and then you can like have a process to bring it over to a vote. And mm-hmm. you might still not go into your favor, right? <laughs> um, if not enough people believe that's the right way, it's okay, but then there is a platform for that to happen. I think the interesting thing um, about DAO, sometimes people do question, right? How do you have a completely flat hierarchy? How do you you know, have everyone votes on everything? Wouldn't that make it really slow? It's a, it's a hot topic in governance. <laughs> it's a hot topic. Yeah, no, and I think that's why you start seeing more of these hybrid structures where instead of having everyone votes on every proposal, instead you establish different teams but those teams are still, you know, people with a mandate of this is the things you're supposed to do. That's the budget you have for this quarter. Go do it. And then maybe on a quarter by quarter basis, you decide how much budget you allocate to them as a DAO. Or let's say, you know, um, you also decide, do you need a new team or do, should, uh, do you have the right people in these new teams in all this governance vote? So maybe you don't, we don't end up in a space where all the DAOs have everyone votes on everything. But then there should be a very transparent way of how do you vote out some people if you don't believe they are contributing the way they need to be. Or let's say, you know, you should bring in new structure, new people, new teams to fulfill a function that is missing today. 
So there's definitely a lot still in flux, and I'm learning so much to like right now in Ifdanfa that I think is just very stimulating and definitely looking forward to bring it back to grow. Oh my God, there's so much, so much in, I've learned here, and not just things I've learned, but it's literally like I've learned so much more about the about things that exist that I don't know about. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Uh, so in I guess increasing my knowledge of my ignorance, if that makes sense. There's there's more known unknowns um, mm -hmm. in this sense of there's like unknown unknowns, known unknowns, uh, you know, known knowns, unknown knowns. So yeah, yeah, no, you're spot on. <laughs> um, so it's yeah, it's, it's just mind blowing, expanding, and honestly, it's a very humbling experience being here at ETH Denver and just um, getting dropped in the the and uh, into the space with like so many giga brains walking around with all their all their ideas and the idea the idea flow is insane is insane here at East Denver. I'm so glad I made it this year. I mean, like, this is absolutely the place to be. I feel like we are now plugging East Denver to all the listeners out there. <laughs> hey, it's a good thing. If you're listening, come next year. Come to 2023. It's fantastic. Nice. Well, we'll definitely love to. Like, I mean, flying all the way here, it's, it takes a while, but then it's definitely worth it. Awesome. So... Grow, Grow is a DAO. Uh, currently, has DAO structure with uh, governance and token voting some some way already? We have that in some way. We're still decentralizing. So the way that it's now structured is we still have a project team that is like core contributors. Mm -hmm. And those people, myself included, would be running a lot of different, you know, we talk about your strategies. We'll think about, you know, how do we do more marketing, more partnership, all of that good stuff. Um, but then like we are also having a decentralized marketing force. So it would be like every month we ask who would love to help with marketing with Grow. And then people could apply and then we would say, let's have 20 people from the community that says, you know what, I love marketing and I'm passionate about Grow, I want to help. Mm -hmm. And so like we create a system or structure for everyone to say, Tell us what you're good at, what you want to do with us, and then this is how you would be, you know, measuring how much you have done and being rewarded accordingly. So we are hoping to decentralize more and more of this, maybe not just the marketing space, but also like in other types of contributors, developers, and honestly, there's so much that needs to be done at any time that we'll just love to get more community members involved. Awesome. Well, because it sounds like from that you've got. Uh folks doing all sorts of stuff in this uh, decentralized manner of allowing people to just kind of come in, come out of your 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 DAO structure with Grow. Um, the issue, I, or one of the issues I've seen with DAOs, and I think is coming up more and more across the space, is that there's just so much chaos that goes on with uh, with DAOs because, again, you're most people are used to working in a centralized structure where they're told what to do and told what the objectives are. Um, if, you if you think about like a marketing firm uh, for a company, they might say like, okay, we're going to, uh, we're going to publish a, a marketing. We've been hired to do a marketing campaign about urine. So we need to put out 500 tweets, um, you know, over the next 30 days about the things that urine is doing. They need to cover X, Y, Z things. Here's the, some of the, uh, you know, uh, hashtags we're going to use or whatever, but the general uh, idea of what's going to be done is from top down is being told to people. And then the bottom layer people just kind of execute on those ideas versus uh, a DAO is so fantastic in that it allows these ideas to come from the bottom up in this more organic form. Um, and because everybody's voting on it, it's really the idea is that the, the best ideas rise to the top with this thing. Um, but because that, um, well, I don't know if anybody's been in, uh, been to like meetups or something, but if it, there's no structure to it, it's kind of chaos. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I think establishing a structure is very helpful as anyone who comes into a DAO, they would be a bit lost, right? There's so mm -hmm. much going on and it's really hard for them to just come in on day one and then be like, I got it. I know exactly what we need to do. That's impossible in one yeah. day. <laughs> Everyone needs some form of onboarding. Like yeah. They need to be, you know, it's not about like being told what to do as much as they need to be given the context of what this DAO is about, what we are trying to do, what we have been doing, why does something work and not work in the past. And I think that onboarding experience is very, very important. But sometimes we always felt like, oh, wow, I, you know, that's, how do we do this more systematically? Mm -hmm. But you don't quite have the capacity to onboard every single person with, you know, just like hand-holding, you know, for the first two weeks, it would be really hard to do. So how do we make this in a way is 
more self-help. Um, so maybe, for example, you have you host a section and then you make sure you record it. So then, like anyone that comes after could also tune into that session and then just pick up, you know, what you have already had. Um, we are working on that my, ourselves this week. Uh, we also did an onboarding call for the first time with our hey. GeForce members. Yeah, I think it was just helpful to have people talk about, hey, this is what we are doing. Um, these are things that you know we have been trying to do, and then be very candid about. There are things that we are still experimenting. It really could, may, really might not work. Um, and I think it's just hoping everyone to then say, what do you think would would work? Um, how could we do this differently? Um, but yeah, I would say, you know, the initial onboarding helps reduce that kind of chaos up front because otherwise it's all ideas throwing, you know, being thrown around and, and really it's hard to engage. Yeah, like I love the way you put that in that um, people need to be given the context uh, for your DAO. I love the way you put that. It's like, because um, there's this there's this push-pull, um, there's this push-pull with DAOs in that we we want um, to make it easy for anybody to come in or leave from these things and uh, bring their bring their ideas. But the fact that we're allowing ideas to come from anyone, they if their idea is coming from a non-contextualized space, if someone's just coming in saying, you know, oh, you know, grow, you're doing stablecoin yields, cool. We need to throw everything into uh, convex finance and do everything that way. And it's just like it. What like it? It's. That that kind of noise that comes up is just reduces the uh, the it makes it harder for those um, contextualized good ideas to come out and then the it can kind of if you're, it's not managed then the you can end up diluting actually the kind of culture in your community and that's exactly and so it's this weird push pull of like we throw the this internet age we throw the doors open and we say everybody come on in because you know with these DeFi protocols and DAOs it's like the power our power is really in the community. And we want people to come in. We want people to use our use our stuff, be contributing members of our community, be involved. We want them voting on things. But again, if you have uh, a bunch of people who don't have the context for these things, they're not making informed votes, basically. Absolutely. Uh, and so it's so difficult to um, do this in an like like you were saying, like an efficient, uh, effective way of bringing people in, but then quickly give it, helping them get that context for your space and whatever's going on. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's a whole, it's a thing the whole space is wrestling with right now. Yeah. And I think like there are lots of good tooling, um, that solutions are coming out in this space. Um, if we are talking about, you know, onboarding part, I still don't know who really has a great, I, you know, great way to systematically do it yet. <laughs> um, but I would say in terms of tracking contribution, you have tools like the work that actually is like a Trello board and everyone could suggest some ideas. They can vote about that. And people who would love to take that forward to implement them, they can say, I'm interested. So there is definitely ways for us to now see how do we bring all these great ideas together? And then at the same time, actually not just go out, spread ourselves too thin, actually have a way to say, you know, express whether you believe in it or not. Right. And then like once it does, then have people say, you know, give them the way to volunteer and say, this is something I'm interested in doing. And maybe multiple people would love to contribute. That's great. And then you can have them form a team to say, that's, you know, three of us now. Let's, you know, let's get it going. <laughs> awesome. Like, I've heard of D-Work before. That's like a bounty platform, correct? It is a bounty platform as much as a, a Trello bot. So it's a project management tool as well. Okay, okay. Because that kind of say, you know, if you have an idea, you would suggest that. And then once it is being voted on, then someone would still have an admin role. They would move it to what people call to do. Yeah, you these different columns, right? Um, to do, you know, in progress, in review, done. So you can move the, the different tasks across as the project progresses. Okay, yeah, and then what you just described there with um, having different, uh, being able to sort projects by different uh, stages of completion, that's basically like a, uh, what a lot of people are using Kanban for, it's oh, for exactly. correct? Oh, exactly, yes, yes. Okay, cool. Um, awesome, that's, yeah, th that kind of management and administration uh, overhead is so needed uh, in so much of the space. And I would say there's also other ways that people do it. Um, thinking about how do you recognize what each other does. And sometimes it's really not just the person, the one person that put their hands up and up the, being the only contributor. In the DAO space, we also want to facilitate collaboration. Of course. So some of those like really good tools out there, like coordinate, they would allow people to have, you know, if you're in the same team and it's really hard to keep track of exactly how much everyone has done. And maybe some people just help each other out, right? You can give them, 
what people essentially like kudos to them and be thank you for doing this. And you can assign certain parts of the rewards to them directly as well. So I think it is a way to say, you know, it's your gesture or like a token of thanks, except now these tokens are real tokens. You know, it's not just a saying. <laughs> yeah, it's not just a, a feel good kudos. It's actual yeah. actual value that it's getting uh, shared and transmitted there. Yeah. Coordinate is uh, a fantastic tool. I love it. What's um, so with you said Grow is currently decentralizing, is moving towards a DAO. Um, what what are some of your concerns about going uh, that direction? Because you are necessarily moving again, moving from this kind of centralized structure to uh, a decentralized one. You're necessarily uh, if if you're someone with the power at the top, you're necessarily having to give up a lot of that power. Um, what are some of the concerns that you guys have uh, discussed about moving that direction? I think part of it is coming to, are we ready to do that in a way that a few th different things pop up in our minds. So first of all is that as we spent quite a lot of time talking about DeFi in the beginning, mm -hmm. DeFi is quite complicated yeah. for people who just come into Web3 and suddenly you get thrown all these different concepts and it's innovating really fast as well. So how do we actually keep up with that innovation and really make sure that you know um, we'll have a lot of people that comes already with lots of knowledge, but there are also people who don't have as much knowledge. They might just be new here in this space. So how do we actually have a structure where you know you don't only end up having some people who knows a lot that kind of drives on with but like also like making sure you don't leave people behind in a way. Yeah. So I think like the entire question going back to the onboarding part of making sure that DAO members know what this protocol is about. Um, how is that being technically, how are those like different products being technically done in the way that if they want to build on top of that, they can. It's a lot of the um, building the foundation blocks. The foundation blocks being um, in general education of what why we have this protocol in the first place. Mm -hmm. And then um, some of the ideas of the value behind that. So say the value behind that is maybe we don't want it to go all degen. Um, we want that to help more people get access to DeFi without having to spend that much time into it. And so there are a lot of that contact sharing. I think that still needs to be better done. Then second part is how do we build the enabling platforms or resources for people to get things done really well? So um, instead of you know just letting the floodgate open, we are trying to do it almost function by function. So marketing was the first that we tried to decentralize. Oh, interesting. But like afterward, if we need to have, you know, developers coming in, you have to have a good GitHub that people can then be like, okay, now I can go through all the codes. I know how I can contribute. And once I do put it together, where I contribute back, back into. And I think like going more into like thinking, could we also do the same with partnerships? Then how do we structure this? I think it's almost like opening up one box after another and just trying to see how do we give what is the relevant and very important information we have to share upfront to everyone? And then in each different function, what are the tools that we could actually use to you know, pave the basics and then let people to take it from there and build on top? So you're kind of taking the, if I'm understanding you correctly, you're kind of taking the structure of a, of a company, which might have, uh, say, individual departments, like a marketing department, mm -hmm. a uh, developer department, a QA department, um, and taking those individual departments and kind of working to decentralize each of those departments one by one. Um, and like what you said, finding the, using whatever tools that you're able to find to do whatever that particular department needs to be able to do. Is that accurate? Yeah, no, I think that's exactly spot on. Because the interesting thing about it is then all of the different ways of collaboration. I think eventually you would see and one contributor could contribute to multiple things. Absolutely. But then like in the way to set it up is just so like each in a way we've tried to pilot that with marketing mm -hmm. and figuring out what are the tools that people need. Then we can bring it to the next one and onto the next one. Okay, cool, cool. Um, I think that's, yeah, doing it as a structured uh, structured rollout uh, like that, I think would be a bit more effective than trying to start from a super decentralized format and try to go to more of a, a distributed um, system. So start, starting from chaos is harder than starting from... Starting from, from uh, chaos is hard, yes. <laughs> I want to talk to you real quick about mar that marketing uh, pilot that you're doing specifically, I guess. You... 
there, there's a, you guys have an interesting culture um, with your marketing department. Like there, everybody has, there's different, uh, I guess, tiers of your marketing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you, what to call them. The different. Uh, the squads, the. The levels of people that do marketing. Um, Cause there's like people who contribute maybe a little bit and there's pe- people who contribute a fair bit. Then there's maybe people who contribute a lot. And each of those tiers, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, each of those tiers kind of have their own name uh, within your uh, marketing group, correct? So we have that in a way that um, I think there are two different types of contributors in the space right now. And in the marketing side, in the we, have, we are now at our third epoch, so the third month of running this. Okay. Um, for the first two months after each epoch ends, we ask everyone who is within you know, the 20 people task force to vote on each other and say, I think this person has, you know, is a star player. I really like you know, what they do. Versus some people might not have really seen them around for a lot. So then like by voting among themselves, they establish who has the highest scores all the way to the one with the least amount of score then we were giving out rewards based on which tier you're in. So let's say our first or highest tier is the MVP, the most valued player. And then so those people get a bit more rewards versus like people in the tier one, tier two, and tier three, so on and so forth. So there is a system where we were trying to do as pure voting basis. But now in Epoch 3, we are hoping to move that towards more task or more like uh, the work based. Mm-hmm. So then now instead of having everyone voting at the very end, we would get them to say, you know what, this is the task that you want to do. You put it up onto the board. You get assigned the points based on you know how much time you probably need to put into that. And then at the very end, what you would get in terms of the reward, we no longer have a tiered system, but instead it would just be exactly what you have done versus you know what everyone else has done. It's like your relative contribution within this month. So we're hoping to move a bit away from the from explicitly saying there are different tiers as much as saying that, oh, you know, it is just like more correlated to the work that you have put up put into this epoch. But okay. that said, we are also having um so there are different n- names as well. So this is the GFOS. Mm-hmm. Um they've purely specialized on marketing. Then we also have OGs who are people who been with us for a really long time a lot of them since the very beginning and the way they contribute are a lot broader and honestly that is like exactly when we didn't know or think about how to decentralize we're just like these people are awesome (laughs) and uh, we love them because they are they give really great feedback to the products and they are also chatting with new joiners to our Discord, to our Telegram groups. They're really happy to help new people as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, we gave them the title of OGs, and then they also got rewards for being such supportive uh, community members. But we don't really have a way that uh, really combine the two of them yet. Any one person could choose to be you know, in both sides. It's just like we're still trying to figure out how to do that OG part more systematically as we do now with GeForce. Okay, okay. Awesome. Awesome. And like from the Twitter space, I remember, which is where we initially connected um, with GeForce specifically, there's those different tiers within GeForce have their own names, correct? And like you guys just, they kind of named themselves. Isn't that, isn't that true? Like, aren't there? Do you mean the Gromies part and then the, because um, like I think within the GeForce, we used to have the tiers of the MVPs, the tier one, tier two. Well, didn't, those, didn't those have G themed names? Ah, okay. And then there is another one called ProGs. Ah. Ah, but the ProGs, we are hoping to make them less marketing, but more community-based. Okay. So it is really, community management is also such a big topic yeah. that it is so hard to get right. And uh, I think part of it is having someone to be there to support any people that come in with questions, you know, or with concerns, really. But we are not necessarily having you know we don't want people to wake up at night you know at 3 a.m answering questions on discord yeah no we don't want to do that to people no so we are really trying to see if we could establish what people call a pro g program where you could say hey you know we have people from different time zones that probably you know they where they can contribute the time zones that they can contribute to would nicely stack up with each other so then if anyone comes in at a different time 24 7 someone would be able to help them answer some of the questions they have mm-hmm. it might not get 100 percent resolved but at the end it's always nice that you go into a community you have a question someone is there to help you and ideally they help resolve that but you know not a guarantee <laughs> <laughs> ideally absolutely um wow well 
Yeah, the community community management is it's it's IT for people is really what it is. It's like it's one of those things where if it's done well, people don't really notice it, but if it's not done well or it's missing, it's just a dumpster fire in uh, in these in these spaces in Discord in uh, discourse on snapshot voting for um, these individual protocols. It's so necessary. Um, and it's so difficult to create these systems that, uh, again, we want it to be open and allow people to come in, come out. But we also want to, you know, we don't want anybody just coming in and making making a proposal saying, hey, I want to give all the money to myself. And then, you know, allowing that to pass. And like, how do we create these systems that uh, help, you know, help bring up and raise up the good ideas um, to get more attention on them and, uh, you know, disincentivize the uh, selfish degen ideas. Yeah, and I think like there is that part about, as you said, right, raise up the good ideas and also the really constructive feedback as well. Yes. It's like, how do we encourage that? Um, and sometimes it takes a bit of guidance. You know, everyone goes into Discord, they always have those rules, right? Yeah. Um, those, uh, probably no one ever read through all of them, but I think in a way you have all these different community members who have been there longer time, um, who are really wanting to see, you know, the DAO grow and the protocol grow, they would try to nudge people to provide feedback in a really constructive way. And I think ultimately, as you said, if it is done really well, it feels so natural. It feels like, you know, people you're chatting with helping you nudge, but that doesn't just come naturally. Mm. It has to be created, the culture has to be created and Absolutely. then shaped that way. And, um, or how do we actually make sure people come in and knowing that if they, they know where to ask their questions, it's also important. So yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of um, things I think people don't necessarily think about in the first place when they think about community management that is very important. The context for the DAO products, um, for DeFi or whatever the DAO is about, and then the uh, acculturation and the sharing of culture for the individual DAO members. You know, we are... We are grow. We do A, B, C things. We uh, believe and are. Uh, let me rephrase that. We are grow. We are A, B, C things. We do D, E, F, and we definitely don't do G, H, I. And like making that kind of uh, culture, um, you know, solid and explicit is so necessary to bring people in um, and get them adjusted quickly to these things because that's uh, again we need we throw the doors open we say everybody come in and we need to uh make sure everybody's working uh or trying to work together to bring those um ideas together this has been um, a fascinating fascinating conversation um any plans to move uh to other layer twos for grow like i know you said you're on mainnet and avax um Polygon is one of the, I think, biggest or most adopted layer twos currently in the Ethereum system. Uh, but obviously, there's optimistic rollups like Arbitrum and Optimism. Layer two uh, ZKs are starting to come online with Starkware and uh, ZK Sync. Like, any particular plans to move to any of these layer twos? Yeah. Um, so currently, we have dipped our toes into the layer two with ZK Sync on Argent's wallet. Oh, awesome! So people who are looking for, you know, really coming into this space. But no one wants to pay a hundred plus a hundred dollar plus gas fee to do what? any Nobody transactions. Nobody wants to pay a hundred dollars for a fifteen dollar <laughs> transaction. What? So um, yeah, no, I mean, like, I just really finding it very nice to go through looking into what is there to offer with our partners and then also coming into Eve Denver learning so much about different layer two solutions. Then help talk about you know we definitely have plans to move more to other chains or other L one chains or like to layer two, and because. That's where we believe we are going to get more people who are not yet in DeFi to come into this space. So we want them to cross the, you know, the invisible line between traditional finance and <laughs> decentralized finance, right? And how do we make it easy for them? I believe that I'm going on lowering our transaction cost, so then the overall yield they would get, you know, is higher. Those are really all the things we want to keep improving on. Awesome. Let's get the minnows in here, not just the whales. <laughs> exactly. And honestly, um, we have an internal um, we have an internal metric, and the internal metric you could always say, oh, isn't it just TVL? But TVL is not very much looking at who are you know putting in the money. So we try to do what we call a root of sum of return. It's a mafto. What it's really trying to say is you do a, because you put a root onto it. That means we actually value more number of users over more you know. We value three users who each contribute $30 than one user who contribute $90. Oh, interesting. So it's kind of like 
It's kind of like the uh, quadratic funding, but for uh, user count. Mm-hmm, exactly. Interesting. Yeah, because I, uh, I actually t- I did some math this morning and looking at um, your guys' protocol in uh, DBank, the top 10 wallets um, that are participating in Grow actually hold about 29% of the TVL for, mm-hmm. um, I think it's $69 million as of about two hours ago. Um, and that's a little concerning, seeing that you have whales that large um, controlling, again, like 29% of the TVO, the, to- the total value locked for people at home. Yeah, no, that was definitely like something we want to keep because part of the reason is we are still mainly on Ethereum mainnet. Mm. So lots of like smaller people with smaller pockets or people who just not trusting DeFi enough, they come in, they will be like, wow, it is like, you know, $100 to get in, $100 to get out. If you don't have somewhere around $10,000, you might start, you know, still wondering how much yield am I going to get out of this after deducting all of the transaction costs? If you're earning 10%, if you're earning 10% yield, but you're paying $150 to start your transaction, then you have to be in the system for a long time to even just make up for your transaction costs. Exactly. And that's why I think um, moving over to more really more affordable chains are so important for us to get to people who are not hoping to put in, you know, a five-figure sum right out of the bed. And aside from that, um, we also have this LP token sticker contract. So a lot of times you will see um, people coming in and say, I don't just want a stablecoin yield. I want governance token incentives too. So then they stick their report. So the first largest holder is probably the LP token sticker as anyone who have sticked their products like either vaults or powered into it, it would then transfer from their wallet to the LP token sticker address. So that's why like that's probably the one that holds the most as everyone who stake, literally you won't really see them as a holder as much as like then the LP token sticker becomes the holder of those tokens. But aside from that, yeah, no, totally. We really love to make sure we make this more affordable to everyone. So it is not just going to be whales that come in. As <laughs> um, We really want to have make it easy for, um, honestly, people like my high school best friend, people like my cousins who are really not going to be, I mean, I don't know if they're whales. Maybe they secretly are. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but no, seriously, like everyday people um, could actually benefit from this. Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah, I can't wait for, can't wait for those layer two launches. Um, ZK, ZK Sync and Argent are both awesome. Um, yeah, it's been a fantastic conversation, Joyce. Thanks you, thank you for coming on. And uh, a shout out to WGMI is a community of community managers. We're trying to basically take all the best brains in the, in the DAO space, shake it all up and pour off the best juice, um, take those ideas. Uh, so thank you for coming on. Well, it's been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for having me. And always glad to, you know, just chat more about community DeFi. I feel like we talk a lot about DeFi this episode. <laughs> well, you are, uh, Grow is a DeFi protocol, so it's all good. All right. All right. Well, thanks again for having me. All right. For all the folks at home, have a fantastic day. Gas prices are down, but you know what's better than low gas fees on Ethereum? No gas fees on Ethereum. First 10 times per month, when you withdraw ERC-20 tokens, Ether, or Bitcoin from Gemini Exchange, they pay your gas fees. Yep, 100% free withdrawals. Whether you're a dabbler, a hodler, or a hardcore ETH maxi, (laughs) IT guy, Gemini Exchange is a great place to buy and sell cryptocurrencies. Click the Gemini link in the show description to get $10 back when you start your account and trade $100. Get low trading fees with ActiveTrader interface, less than Coinbase Pro, guys and free gas withdrawals only at Gemini Exchange. Again, click the link in the show description to sign up for your own account today.